Back to another episode of the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Rosenchuk, and you can follow me on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. So I don't know if you know this, but I put a alarming amount of time into this thread I did over the weekend, and it was about AJ Brown and DJ Moore. And then I'm assuming the Tennessee Titans brass saw this thread and said, hey, you know what? DF Bean Counter is putting in way too much work on this thing. Let's wreck it. Let's go and trade for Julio Jones and wreck the entire thing. The premise is over. So now we have to go back into it with this new new data, new Julio Jones trade. And what I should also tell you is I already did a video on Julio Jones too. I already did a video on AJ Brown. I did a video on both these guys. And now we got to do it all over again because of trades. I love trades. This is so fun. Anyways, so here's where we're at. Julio Jones, did he lose a step? No, he did not. Go back and watch the video from about two months ago. He's still very good. He's still Julio Jones. On a per play, on a per game, on a per snap basis, he was still top of the league in terms of efficiency and and like PFF grade. And like, like he was really good at football in 2020. He just didn't play that much. He got hurt. It happens. This is football. Players get hurt. When we look at it though, when we break it down by his target share in his healthy games. So he had two games where he played. He only had uh, 23% of the snaps and 41% of the snaps. So I just eliminated those games because he played less than half the snaps. Every other game though, he averaged 23% target share across those games. He was still very much a big part of the offense. He also had an 11% game in which he got injured, but he played 80% of the game. So I don't really know what that was about, why he got so few targets that game. doesn't really matter. The point is he had 23% target share. That's what we're basing all of this on. He has been a 25% plus target share player basically since he entered the NFL. Julio Jones is an alpha. I don't think anyone is debating that. The problem is now we have alpha Julio Jones. We have alpha AJ Brown. AJ Brown, also incredible player. There was never a question of talent when it came to AJ Brown. I was fading AJ Brown strictly based on his situation. The Titans refused to pass the ball. If you saw the thread over the weekend, you will probably recall that in early down pass frequency and neutral script, Tennessee Titans ranked dead last by a large margin. It's not good. They do not want to pass the ball. And I can't really blame them because Derrick Henry is really good at football. And then we look at like their pass frequency over expect over expectation. Theirs is actually a pass frequency under expectation because they were seven percentage points below average based on the down and distance and the play call that they chose, whether it was a pass or run. The Tennessee Titans do not want to pass the ball. They let Corey Davis walk. They let Jonu Smith walk. And they did nothing until now. Now they traded for Julio Jones. It wasn't a crazy price. They traded a second round pick. That's fine. It's like Muhammad Sanu pricing. It's not that bad. So what does this all mean for the Titans? We have Alpha AJ Brown. We have Alpha Julio Jones. We, you know, they're both really good at football. And the other thing that we should talk about really quick, wide receivers do not age gracefully. They are very, very good. They're very, very good. They're very, very good. And then they're terrible and out of the league. That's how it works. It's not like they go from wide receiver one and then, okay, they're 30. Now they're going to be a wide receiver two. Okay, they're 32. Yeah, they're probably going to be wide receiver three and so on and so forth. That's not how it works. Wide receivers typically go, I'm a wide receiver one, wide receiver one, wide receiver one, wide receiver one. I am completely done and now I'm out of the league. That's how it works. It is a cliff. It is not a gradual decline. It is absolutely a cliff. Julio Jones could hit a cliff this year. This could be his cliff year. We don't know yet. I don't think it was. Last year, he was still very, very good. Probably going to be very, very good again. Anyways, 
what needs to happen for this to work out and AJ Brown and or Julio Jones. That's the other thing. I don't know which guy is actually going to be the alpha. I'm assuming they're going to split the targets. Like I'm assuming they're both going to have a 25% target share. That is roughly what Julio Jones has been for his entire life. That is what AJ Brown was last year with Corey Davis in tow. He had a 25.8%. So I think 25% is a safe bet for both of them. So what needs to happen to get them into elite range? The way that we were getting AJ Brown into elite range, if we were trying to, was we were saying, oh, the Titans are going to pass a lot more. Or, oh, A.J. Brown's going to get all of the targets. He's going to get a 30% target share, maybe even more. Or or both. And unfortunately, that's pretty unlikely. So now that they've indicated to us that they want to have Julio Jones, they, they want to pass the ball, they have Julio Jones, we can look at Corey Davis last year. Corey Davis had a 23.1% target share. Corey Davis is one of the most efficient wide receivers in football. That's why we like Corey Davis this year going into... The New York Jets, going to the New York Jets. We like Corey Davis because he was commanding a 23.1% target share alongside A.J. Brown. Corey Davis was good at football in 2020. Julio Jones will be good at football in 2021. I don't think there's a huge increase to go from Corey Davis to Julio Jones. So I don't think that they're going to just line up and pass the ball on repeat now, now that they have Julio Jones. I think they're just probably slotting him in for a similar role to what they had Corey Davis in. So anyways... What are we looking at for projections? How do we get them there? What's got to happen? So if we are going to assume that they're both going to have a 25% target share and we assume that their pass attempts go up. If you recall, the pass attempts for the Tennessee Titans in 20, well, the last three years have been scary low. Not just low, scary low. 27.3 in 2018, 26.9 in 2019, 30.1 30.1 in 2020. Those are all bottom three numbers. The Tennessee Titans do not pass the ball. So now that we have Julio Jones, if we are projecting an increase, how much of an increase are we projecting? I personally am not projecting a lot because I think Corey Davis is already good. I think that's why they passed 30 times last year was because Corey Davis was good at football. Julio Jones enters the fray. I would suggest going no more than two extra attempts per game. You might want to go more. How far do we need to go to get these players into a range where they can be wide receiver ones automatically. I would suggest that we probably need to get into 150 target range. They were at 30 last year. We bump it to 32. We both we give them both a 25% target share. That's eight targets per game. By the way, AJ Brown's targets per game last year, 7.6. So this doesn't really change a whole lot. Anyways, eight targets per game. That gets them to 136 targets in a 17 game season. That ain't gonna cut it. These are not wide receiver one numbers or not wide receiver one overall numbers. These are back-end wide receiver one numbers with insane efficiency. Keep in mind, A.J. Brown had 7.6 targets last year. He scored, what was it, 11 touchdowns in 14 games or thereabouts? There is very, very little hope that A.J. Brown can, in my opinion, can keep up that kind of touchdown scoring. Again, if you go back and look at his college data, he was not a touchdown scorer. He was fine. If you go back and look at A.J. Brown's touchdowns in college, he had 19 touchdowns on 189 receptions. That's a rate of 10%. He has exceeded that by 50% in his two years in the NFL. It's hard to believe that A.J. Brown suddenly got good at scoring touchdowns once he got to the NFL. He wasn't bad at scoring touchdowns in college. 10% is is good. It's just not great. And 15% is like unheard of good for, for like a sustained period of time, which he's done it for two years. So I'm suspecting that that's coming down. So if A.J. Brown can only be a 17 points per game wide receiver with a 15% uh, touchdown rate 
where he had 11 touchdowns in 14 games. Not a lot of wide receivers are scoring in the 12, 13, 14 touchdowns a season range. A.J. Brown probably not going to do it on a routine basis. That means this amount of volume, this eight targets per game, 136 targets, is not going to cut it if you are looking for wide receiver one overall production. It's probably not even going to cut it if you're looking for back-end wide receiver one production. He is probably most likely at this point going to be a very, very fringe wide receiver one too. I would not be shocked in any way at all if he has a little bit of a down touchdown season and ends up in the early wide receiver two range. And that's not what you're paying for in Dynasty. So stop paying for it in Dynasty. And it's certainly not what you're paying for a redraft. AJ Brown is overvalued in all formats. I have been on Twitter and I have seen people posting that he has... Nothing has changed for A.J. Brown. He's still going to eat. He is still going to eat. He's going to get the same target share he's always had. The problem is the efficiency probably won't be there to the same level that it has been in the past. So if we want to get him into a range where we feel comfortable, where we feel okay with him as a bona fide wide receiver one overall candidate, we have to project the Tennessee Titans to increase their pass attempts by 8 to 10 attempts per game from their three-year high of last year. This is an unheard of ask. This is a huge ask. It happens. Don't get me wrong. It happens. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills last year happened. It's possible. It's just not probable. If he gets into the 38 or 40, 38 to 40 pass attempts per game, we're talking about 160 to 170 targets per season for AJ Brown. At that point, I feel very comfortable with AJ Brown being the wide receiver one overall and certainly a top five wide receiver. He's in that range. If we get there, I'm just not ready to bet on the Julio Jones edition, changing the offense all that much more than the already incredibly efficient Corey Davis did last year. All I'm trying to say is it's probably not changing anything. It certainly isn't improving his ceiling. Basically, we're looking at a net gain of zero. I'm projecting now that they're going to pass 32 attempts per game. That's going to be 136 targets. That's exactly what I was projecting for AJ Brown for prior to this move because his target share went from really, really big back to normal and the pass attempts went from really, really low up to... Highest in the past four years. AJ Brown, Julio Jones, I don't know which one's going to score more. If you're in a redraft league, I would suggest buying whichever one's cheaper, which is probably going to be Julio Jones. If you're in Dynasty, you still need to be moving AJ Brown because this situation doesn't spell top-end elite production. It spells really, really good player. Pardon me. Really, really good fantasy player. He's an incredible player. From a skill talent perspective, he's easily in the conversation for Dynasty wide receiver one overall as one of the best 24 year or one of the best wide receivers in football. He's only 24 years old. So he should be in the conversation for Dynasty wide receiver one. The problem is he plays on one of the three teams that I would not have Their wide receiver one ranked anywhere near my top five wide receivers because they just don't have the ceiling that I want. That's all I have to say about this. Thanks for ruining my entire thread, Tennessee Titans. So now we are going to dive into some Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore is one of my favorite wide receivers and we have not talked about him at all. So uh, let's dive in. His prospect profile has kind of been giving me fits. He's five foot nine, 178 pounds. He is like the ultimate beta, right? Like he's only 178 pounds. This is KJ Hamler all over again. Here's the thing. Elijah Moore is an age 21 year old rookie, which is great. He went to Ole Miss, which is great. He played in the SEC. Fantastic. All these things are great news. His hand size is nine and three eighths. I don't really care about hand size. Some other people do. It's 50th percentile. For being 5'9", 178 pounds, having a 50th percentile hand size is kind of awesome. So anyways, throughout the entire rookie season, 
We were basically let down time and time again. Every pro day seemed to be letting us down other than LSU, of course, except for Elijah Moore. He came out and was absolutely fantastic athletically from relative athletic score. He had an 8.68 RAS score. His size was very poor, obviously. His explosion was good. His speed was great. And his agility was elite. To be perfectly honest, I have not looked into the signal on agility versus slot receivers. I have heard that it's good, but I don't, I, I haven't tested it myself, so I can't tell you that for sure. But we will say that it's probably a good thing because other people that I do trust have said it is. So anyways, Elijah Moore looking great. The problem is the, the letdown, because there's always a letdown with these pro days this year. I thought Elijah Moore was going to be 185 pounds, and there's a lot of pretty good comps in that range for Elijah Moore at 178 pounds. It's less awesome, but it's more so just because we don't have anybody in that size range. The bulletproof betas still hit a lot, like a lot, a lot. All this being said, when you look at Elijah Moore's production profile and the context around it, his offense wasn't real good. He was real good. His production within the context of his offense was on par with Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith. The difference, of course, is that Elijah Moore did it at Ole Miss, not at Alabama. Elijah Moore didn't get the chance to dominate on the national scene in the national or er, on a national scene in the national championship game like Devonta Smith did. Had Elijah Moore been there, he probably did done the same thing. With Elijah's build and athleticism, we could be looking at the next great slot machine. He looks the part for elite slot receiver. When you look at his comps, his comps aren't really amazing because there just aren't very many. When we look at his comps for bulletproof players, the only one, the only comp that we have is KJ Hamler, who I mentioned earlier. Doesn't look good for KJ Hamler, but I don't think it's a size thing because we've never seen size matter for these bulletproof prospects. From a from a hit perspective, it matters from a ceiling perspective. And I don't think Elijah Moore is going to come out here and put up a whole bunch of wide receiver one seasons because that's not what Elijah Moore does. He's going to put up Wide receiver, two seasons. He's going to be athletic Jarvis Landry. That's what I'm expecting out of Elijah Moore. Really, really good slot receiver. His comps, T.Y. Hilton, Tyler Lockett, Tavon Austin, they're all coin flips. None of those are real comps, but just because I don't have any bulletproof ones, I had to give you those. So then we get to the draft, right? And at the draft, the New York Jets take Elijah Moore at the top of the second round, which is fantastic for Elijah Moore The Jets. The Jets is a terrible landing spot, right? Everybody knows the Jets is a terrible landing spot. The Jets have been bad for years. I really like Zach Wilson. I cannot tell you enough how much I like Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson had Trey Lance or Justin Fields rushing upside, he would be my quarterback too in this class for fantasy football. Unfortunately, he does not have that upside. What he does have is incredible passing upside. And Elijah Moore, you may remember, is a wide receiver. He catches passes from a very, very good quarterback prospect. This is a good thing. They're coming into the league together. They're probably, Elijah Moore is going to play his entire career with Zach Wilson. This is a good thing for Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore should probably have a handful of wide receiver two seasons or maybe wide receiver three. Like he'll be right in that range, which is good. It's not great. It's good. It's fine. We're not taking him over, you know, Jamar Chase or anything, but at his ADP, it's fine to draft Elijah Moore. And hold on. And since the draft, we've got into rookie camp and OTAs. And all we hear about is how great Elijah Moore is. Elijah Moore is lighting up OTAs. Elijah Moore makes another touchdown catch in the red zone. Elijah Moore is the best player on the field. Elijah Moore has been the best player at OTAs on either side of the ball. Elijah Moore has been incredible thus far per reports, which are extremely irrelevant, all things considered. 
What we do know is that his profile, his prospect profile, tells us he is probably a good player. You should draft good players. Prioritize good players. It's really not all that complicated. So where do I have Elijah Moore ranked? Well, in rookie rankings, I have Elijah Moore ranked at wide receiver one, two, three. I have Elijah Moore ranked at wide receiver three. I love Elijah Moore. This is pre OTAs. This is pre-rookie camp. This is immediately after the draft. I put Elijah Moore in the number three spot and he ain't moving. If he's moving anywhere, he's moving up, but he's not moving up yet. Elijah Moore is a very, very good player that you should be rostering because you need players like this. Unless unless you have all wide receiver ones, then maybe skip out on Elijah Moore. But if you're just a normal team playing dynasty fantasy football, you need quality players. Draft Elijah Moore. (laughs) 